You're listening to the Nutmeg Arena by the Nutmeg Assist. Hello guys, welcome back to the another episode of the Nutmeg Arena podcast brought to you by the Nutmeg Assist. So season 3 of this podcast season we are going to start with a very special guest on the show it's none other than the kerala blasters coach ilko shatori and welcome ilko to the show and thank thank you for coming um i'm very happy to be here uh, especially that i know that you're a kerala blasters fan so yeah it's a special dimension i guess uh yeah I'm, i'm very happy to to answer your questions and happy to be on your show hopefully we can make it a good show thanks yeah mm-hmm. and we also have chris joining us so welcome chris yeah uh hi everyone thank you very much uh, for the invitation and uh yeah. just wanted to say to mr shatori it's a pleasure to speak to you same here same here thank you nice much. to meet you hopefully we can get a good uh, good discussion going or have a good a nice talk about football yeah definitely yeah 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 so we'll right, shoot yeah so <laughs> <laughs> so we'll start off uh, so you just signed for kerala blasters so yeah, and correct. last season it was a great i mean it it was a pretty good season for you with northeast pretty unlucky in the yeah. end i would say but uh, what was the temptation you know behind signing that contract for kerala blasters um first of all uh, i had a a, a two year contract with northeast united um strange enough um that contract got cancelled uh the management wanted to go in a, a different direction and even from this side i want to thank them for the opportunity to uh, to coach for them and hopefully i brought them a little bit of fortune uh, a little bit of success that they were looking for and i wish them all the best in the in the upcoming season that is one secondly uh, of course that means uh, i was open for other uh, opportunities and uh, gala blasters was one of the first ones that uh, came along i had a very good talk with the management um I had a very good feeling in in uh, about their plans uh, within india i think kerala blasters is a team with a huge fan base and that's always nice when when it comes to football uh, as i said uh, even in an interview last week i was in dubai and uh, walking through the to the shopping mall i got uh, uh, asked for selfies from from people from kerala it seems they have yeah kerala even kerala people there are a lot of them in uh, in the middle east so that was a bit strange but at the same time yeah very nice you can see how how big the fan base is for kerala so uh, no it was a was a good talk with the management and then the decision was a very uh, very quick made to uh, to join kerala blasters yeah we have a lot of uh, people from kerala in the middle east especially bahrain oman the uae etc so and like you said kerala blasters also have a huge fan following so it's called the manyapada and i am definitely sure they are very happy to see you being appointed as the manager so chris yeah it's it's sorry then i'll go ahead <laughs> yeah i don't want to interrupt you yeah chris <laughs> your time to shoot the question then yeah uh Well are you you're, you're officially their head coach now is it been made official or is the is the is the, is the agreement in place ready and waiting for you to take over 
No, the, the, the announcement is already made, um, and we we came very quick to a decision that uh, that we both came to an agreement. Um, I went last week uh, even to India to have another meeting with with, uh, with the board, uh, with the management regarding our planning for the new season. Um, if I'm right. correct, the, the decision was made on the 14th or 15th of May, I think. Oh, excellent! So, um, so yourself, so so from a head coach perspective, then looking at everything coming into place now, you're, are you are you are you? I'm assuming that you're in the the process of getting pre. You're making your arrangements for pre-season. Of course, we are very busy with uh, with signing players. In this case, uh, when I arrived, basically the Indian players they were already in place. Uh, yeah. Because my my assistant coach, uh, uh, he he was already there and he did a good job, I think. And now we're busy with signing the foreign players. We we have already four, and uh, we're still busy with with the two. Sorry, we have all, almost five, but some still need to be announced, and we have uh, two more signings left. Right, excellent. Um, so, are, uh, are you excited about the club's uh, club's uh, prospect of the new new season? Because uh, prior to this interview, I was doing a bit of research. I can see that you just finished ninth, uh, I believe, last season. Uh, I mean, what what are your plans, uh, or how, how are you? What are you looking to put in place to to, to improve in that position? Um, see, a club like like Kerala Blasters, they I think they reach two times the, the the finals of the of the ISL of the Indian Super League. Um, but the last two seasons they went uh, sideways a bit. The last season yeah. was, you know, I think before last. Um, the thing is, I think this is a club that that needs a, um, uh, a very attractive playing style uh, that yeah. can uh, that that the fans can uh, resonate with. And that's the first thing I'm going to try to do. Also, in all clubs where I worked, um, I'm not I'm not famous for. Hanging back, I'm more famous for trying to play attacking football. So hopefully, uh, that style that I want to bring in uh, will resonate with the supporters, and uh, we can make it a yeah a good a good season. So that's one of the first plan to to get the supporters back because, as I said, within India, it, it's one of the biggest I think the biggest uh, uh, team with 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 a, a fan base. Uh, yeah. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, yeah, football is played for the supporters. So uh, yeah, that's what we're going to try to do to get them back. Okay, so would you would you look at the uh, last season then, uh, to, uh, and look at sort of not uh, a went what went wrong perspective, but would you sort of recap going over the season on things that you would like to improve moving forward, or would you just start from a, fr- a clean slate? See, it is it is always very difficult uh, uh, for ISL teams. Um, uh, to to move forward, there are only one or two clubs within the ISL where I say they have a proper strategy in place regarding recruiting of players, scouting. I think all the other teams they they uh, have they they are learning now to to set up a, a better system on that. And last year, uh, the team where I was Northeast, uh, the, the recruiting we did, we had some some really good characters together that really want yeah. to work together. Sometimes you need to be a little bit lucky. With, um, with Kerala, of course, I can't, I can't judge uh, what was done before me. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to. The only thing what I could, the, the, the rumors or the, 
the signals that you get from the outside is that the playing style was not resonating with the supporters. So, and, and yeah, I think that's a very important thing that if you go to a club, if you bring a coach that needs to, to fit the style of, of uh, yeah, what, what supporters want to see. I know in yeah. the end, everybody wants to win. I mean, if you win, everybody will, will, uh, <laughs> will, will be silenced. But, but overall, from what I understand a little bit is that, that the playing style was not, not, not really appreciated. But again, that is from what I hear. There's not a judgment yeah. of, of uh, myself. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Riffwick, as a fan, uh, what, what is the general consensus amongst the fans now, given uh, the, the new head coach coming into place? Uh, is everyone really excited? Does it, it give the club a, uh, a boost, uh, given uh, Mr. Chatori's uh, season with North East last year? Yeah, definitely. Because, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to even speak about last season because it was pretty bad and the fans were all agitated. You could see that in the stadium as well, in the, in the home stadium. So, uh, the Blasters fans are not known for being too negative, but last season, I mean, you could see a lot of negative energy around the club. Yeah. The fans were very um, disappointed with the performance as well. Okay, one thing is that, I mean, you could lose a game, but if you put up a good performance, if you play good football, all can be forgotten. When the fans yeah. are, uh, I mean, yeah, the fans are actually of that mentality. So last season, we didn't see good football. I mean, the only uh, positive thing last season was that we could see a local boy, Sahel Abdul Samad, who yeah. impressed me and I think most of the fans as well. He's also now in Ego C Max uh, international team squad as well. Yeah. And that's that that was the only positive sign last season. So yeah. when Ilko was announced as the manager, um I checked Twitter and uh, I had a chat with a lot of Blasters fans as well. So yeah. they were all happy. I mean, they keenly followed the ISL last season and they were very happy with Northeast United's performances, the way they played. So they're pretty excited. And and like Ilko mentioned, he wants to play attacking football. That's exactly what the Blasters fans want. That's the kind yeah. of blueprint they want their club to play. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty well, good. Well, just touching on that, Ilko, uh, you mentioned then in, in your answer that you're, you're predominantly an attack-minded coach. Is that something that is, given the fact that you're from the Netherlands, that is just within yeah. your nature and your philosophy and your approach to football? That um, yeah, look, it, it's very simple. Uh, uh, Dutch philosophy is based on, on basically attacking. But I, yeah. I prefer to call it dom dominating because um, I... Right. Or being... No, let me say it I, actually a different way. To be proactive... Uh, proactive means um, uh, that I, I don't want to sit back. I want to try yeah. to win to win a game by dominating. But I'm yeah. I'm not the type that says uh, at all costs we need to play ball possession football because in the end I'm uh, I'm about winning. Uh, yeah. If I if I lose I'm a very bad loser. I'm a sore loser. So I always try to find a, a balance between. Uh, find uh, playing attractive football and uh, yeah. but also pragmatic and trying to to win. Um, I'm a huge fan of uh, Johan Cruyff uh, and uh, Pep Guardiola. These are my my main people where or main coaches where I take my. Uh, uh, I don't want to compare myself with them, but uh, 
yeah. regarding their philosophy. Uh, and yeah, yeah I, I, anywhere I worked, I always tried to play a, a progressive kind of kind of football where we uh, we try to attack, uh, but with a with a smart mind without losing. Uh, because there, I always let's make a simple example, but that is my personal opinion. Um, uh, Arsene Wenger with Arsenal. Uh, in my opinion, sometimes always went for the attack, but, but sometimes also uh, forgot to how properly organize his rest defense in order not to get caught on counterattacks, especially against big teams. And I think you need to find the balance there. As an example, uh, I always try to be be realistic, but in the end, proactive. That's that's my uh, my starting yeah. point. Well, you, you've sort of answered me next, que- next question there because well, what I noticed uh, about yourself, you. you we, you went straight into coach, uh, coaching, didn't you? Uh, at Venlo, was it? Correct, correct. Yeah. I, so uh, I, I believe you were a youth coach there initially. Then you progressed to assistant manager and eventually taken over as manager at the club. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I. Now, uh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go on. Carry on. Um, I, I was catching a little bit my my background. Um, I uh, was a pretty talented uh, player. I was a, a winger. Uh, later, I played the more from the midfield, but I was a creative uh, wing player. Went through the youth system of uh, Fortuna Sittard. Uh, they're playing now in the, in, the, in the highest division in Holland. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, on uh, on my age of eighteen, uh, I got a very serious uh, family incident where. Uh, where my mother committed suicide, that took my uh, my career uh, sideways. Uh, it yeah. took me a few years to get over that. Uh, at the same time, I was doing a sports university. Uh, already went into coaching. Was already into football. Uh, did some internships with the Vivi Venlo, uh, and yeah, I decided I I was not really in the mood of not in the mood of football. I don't want to say, but I I didn't get get back to where I uh, w- wanted to be, and decided. To, to uh, continue my career as a coach, very young, um, yeah. at tw- at uh, 24 years of age, is the first time I uh, took over in in uh, in VV Venlo as a caretaker. Uh, but I didn't have the highest license yet, and continue yeah. my career there. And uh, yeah, that, that uh, and I and I went on my, on the age of 31, I think I left Holland and uh, seek my uh, adventures uh, elsewhere. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that obviously most Dutchmen, I, well, I, again, I don't want to sound too assuming there. I would assume that uh, 99% of Dutchmen who aspire to be coaches or, or, or are interested in football want to be Johan Cruyff or they're always influenced <laughs> by his style of football. You mentioned yeah. previously that, that Cruyff and then you've got uh, Pep Guardiola who... Who in many who in many ways is a uh, Cruyffian or is a, a certain he disciple is. of Johan Cruyff and yes, and, uh, and his principles? Now, is that who uh, again when you when you realised that you were a coach and that that was that was the career route that you were taking? This is the way I want to play football. Um, see. Uh, the thing is, it, it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be like Cruyff or like Guardiola. It's it's the yeah. principle. It's the yeah. principle. There, there are two principles. One, one is uh, that you want to dominate. That you that you have a mindset of we want to win. We want to attack. So you can also uh, win and try to uh, win the game by sitting back and being reactive. But I wanted to be 
proactive. And the way yeah. you do that, yeah, that is that every coach needs to find his own way. And there will be some some uh, points that I take from Cruyff or like like certain strategies. But overall, it's the mindset of wanting to be progressive, wanting to win in a way by dominating. That that's what I I like. It's a bit in yeah. the Dutch culture. Um, if you look back in history, uh, we are travelers. We uh, we are pretty creative. We are salesmen. We have we have good salesmen. So overall, mm-hmm. it's, it's all about about taking taking initiative. That that's maybe a good way of uh, of looking at it. There's also yeah. a downside to it. There's also a downside to be honest, and I'm very conscious of that. Uh, Dutch people or Dutch coaches sometimes they they think they know it all. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's something that I always try to be careful with, and that I learned that a lot. Yeah, by, I learned that a lot by working with different cultures. Then you 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 start looking things at a little bit in a different way, and have a yeah. little bit more respect. Yes. Yeah. So one more thing is, uh, yeah, you talked about Cruyff, uh, and we also have uh, some really um, good Dutch managers like Van Hal. I mean, Rijkaard was good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We. I mean. The history speaks itself, but one name that I wanted to bring up was Pep Linders, the Liverpool assistant coach. So okay. he took over as assistant as the assistant coach this season after Bovac left last year, and yes. I'd have to say he has done a pretty good job with Klopp. And and, and somewhere around mid-season, I guess uh, Klopp did an interview where he praised Linders and his work rate. I mean, mm-hmm. the kind of I mean base work that he puts. On the training ground, he yes. emphasized Linder's impact. I mean, there are a lot of drills in training. I mean, that could help a certain player or maybe team drills. For example, yeah. how to defend set pieces. Those are some yes. basic basic things. But there yeah. are some specific things as well, which uh, some team needs, uh, so that th- I mean they can handle different situations. I mean they can create chances uh, differently. Uh, Liverpool usually struggled against deep blocks uh, last season. I mean, t- uh, yep. until the beginning of this season. Yeah. This season, we could see a different approach as well. I mean, the midfield yeah, three. Think, when, yeah, yeah when Liverpool went uh, with a 4-3-3, the midfield three usually um, helps the defence. And mostly the full-backs. You saw Robertson and Alexander-Arnold provide a lot of assists. And they've been the creative force this season. And defensively, with the midfield uh, supporting the defense, it's been perfect as well. So, uh, have you taken some uh, points from Linders? Because he, he's a very popular name now. Uh, um, do you, on, and yeah. in your coaching uh, manual or uh, your uh, head, do you emphasize some specific drills that you want your players to do or... Yeah, that's, yeah. That's it. I, it's it's basically yeah. There, there's a lot of lot of things in in the uh, thing of in the, what you were saying that I would answer uh, to. So starting with one Linders, um, he actually is from same almost the same area where I'm from. Um, he was famous, or he started his coaching career being a technical coach. That means. Uh, uh, how do you call it? Improving individual players uh, through 
the curver method. That means um, improving based on, on, on uh, technical skills. That was his starting point. He went to Portugal uh, with, with one of the Dutch coaches. I forgot who it was. Um, and he he's basically a coach who improves the, the individual player. How he ended up in Liverpool, I don't know. Uh, that I I, uh, I don't that background I don't know. But last year or the year before, he he went to Holland and took uh, a team by himself as a head coach, where he didn't succeed. And the point here is that somebody who's always been assistant and uh, always been in that role and suddenly becomes a head coach. It's a complete different way of working. There are so many different dynamics to being a head coach that you, that you, yeah, head coaching is a, a, a job of experience. Yeah, it has a lot of dynamics that you yeah, need to, to learn. Now, going back to, um, to his job at Liverpool and also making a, a parallel in, in the way that I like to work is football is a game of freedom. I don't believe that it's like being a robot and you have to put the players with so much information that if this one goes here, you have to go there. Uh, but at the same time, there are, and I always compare it with, with driving a car. Uh, if you every day, every day drive from your home to work and you do that many times, that at a certain point, it starts to be uh, yeah, automatic. You already know where the danger is coming, which uh, traffic lights you, you need to uh, uh, take care of, where the radars are, where you can speed up, etc. It becomes automatic. And you can almost do that with, I see football the same. So that means for any position in the team and all those positions together, there are certain rotations, there are certain dynamics. And either you play on a low level or on a high level, they are the same. Only the tempo the tempo of executing is different. So I work a lot on those those dynamics. And there are a few defensively, there are a few offensively. You just mentioned, for instance, like throw-ins. You can you can create certain throw-ins, certain routines that um, become automatic uh, uh, routines that that makes uh, the game more flow or makes the, the, how do you call it, makes it very difficult for the opponent to anticipate it on. So I do understand that you need to chunk down certain parts of the game uh, into very simple exercise and keep repeating it. At the same time, also a player needs to have freedom because in the end, not, not every situation is the same. But there are certain dynamics. I just give a, a very simple example. Um, whenever uh, the opponent team plays a back pass or a wide pass, I want my last defense line to move up 2-3 meters. Those two, three meter makes a little bit make a little bit make a big difference in closing spaces, making the midfield closer and uh, smaller and tighter. Uh, so there are a few things within in uh, in the football where you can work on every time, repeating it, repeating it, so it becomes an automatism and it will work in your favor, offensively and defensively. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Uh, I just uh, wanted to touch on uh, another thing that you mentioned there. Uh, being a head coach and uh, how completely different it is to being a coach or an assistant. Uh, one of the what are the main difficulties or the main differences that you encountered when you made that transition from assistant to head coach? Um, it, actually, I worked with I think seven or eight head coaches. One second, uh, I think eight. Um, yeah. And uh, so you start, I'm the type of person that I believe you can learn 
you can learn any you can always learn something from anybody also yeah. the way you not should do it that you also yeah. learn something so with the more people you work in in, in more uh, culture different cultures you will start seeing certain things where you say, hey, this doesn't work and hey, this works really well or the way yeah. this guy... Uh, one of the things, for instance, if you go to a different culture uh, as a head coach, for instance, if you always worked in Holland, um, then you have certain principles in the way we work in Holland. But if you then suddenly go to... And basically, that's in all Asia, either it's the Middle East, it's India, it's, it's Thailand, wherever you go... Um, the people, how they deal with, with things are more laid back, more easy. So if you, if you uh, apply those principles that you have in Holland in these countries, you will not, you will not succeed. It doesn't matter how well you, you know about football and how well your philosophies are, you will not succeed. So you need to be really aware as a head coach, uh, in my opinion, that you... You don't want to do everything yourself. You need to give way more space and need to be way more patient with things. And in the beginning, as an assistant, if you make this, the, the transition from an assistant to head coach, you want to do everything. You want to, to uh, have everything under control. And that is one of the, and, and all, all by your own principles. And that's one of the main things where I say most of the time it goes wrong. And you need to learn how to delegate. You need to be more patient, don't want to introduce five, six things at the same time, do things step by step. Uh, these are all main things where I say they, they make a difference when you when you make a transition from assistant coach to head coach. Yeah, and one more thing, Ilko, uh, yeah, you talked about the uh, influence of head coach, the difference between a head coach and the assistants. One more thing that I'd like to ask you is about the youth policy. So... Yep. As a, as a head coach, I mean, yeah, definitely there are clubs who jump into the transfer market, get the players that they want. But how much do you emphasize bringing in youth? I mean, the local youth. And um, do you, I mean, I, 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 I saw that uh, you, you are a kind of person that who likes to bring in youth as well. And... I mean, in the last seven years, you've been in India for around six years, except for one season where you manage uh, in Saudi Arabia. So yeah. in these six years, uh, do you, I mean, have you identified any top young Indian players or do you think India has a good future, basically? First of all, I anywhere I worked, anywhere in any club as a head coach, I always uh, stimulated young players. That means I always will have a look at the players that just making the step from from the the, the eighteen years old to the seniors, uh, or the like the twenty years old, twenty one years old. I always uh, I can in any team I can mention at least one or two players that made that step and they became regulars. Uh, as an example, before in India with Mohammed Rafiq, who was always with East Bengal, uh, who won the winning, who scored the winning goal with uh, Atletico. Uh, yeah, the first season. That time. That's yeah. one of those players. Um, but what I want to say is, I, I always look at youth. But at the same time, and this is a little bit of a problem in India, where people should not think that if anyone, and this is also for Kerala, for instance, there are a lot of talents. Uh, but if you played. I just say something on a youth level in Kerala within a local club, the step from that club or from that level 
to an ISL level is huge. So it does not mean that because he's a talent and he right away can play on an ISL level. And that is something where a coach or a club needs to have a certain, create certain platforms that a guy, that a, a young player can can profile himself and has chance to develop uh, and grow into that role, into the ISL, into the Indian Super League uh, level. But it's not like, oh, we have this guy here uh, in the local club. He's fantastic. He uh, he made uh, five goals and, and right away he can play. That, that's not how it works. And sometimes in India, I always they are very, very enthusiastic when it comes to a, to a talent and right away they think he can play in the highest level. That's not how it works. Looking at um, Kerala, um, Sahel, who uh, he made it now to the national team. I think he's one of the players where I re- rarely saw in, in India with, with a lot of creativity. And I'm very excited to start working with him. Uh, and hopefully I can bring him to a higher level. Uh, so yes, uh, I always work with youth, but you also have to be realistic that uh, um, there needs to be a proper structure in place for, for youth players to develop. Uh, and especially when, and the only way to develop is by playing games. And if a, if a youth player the whole year don't play proper games, and he can also doesn't he's not able to just make the step from that that level where he is to to an ISL team. That, that's not how it works. That's why, for instance, the I League is so essential. I League would be fantastic for younger players to develop, if you ask me. Yeah, and do do you think uh, that merging I League and the ISL would be a good idea? No, because. Um, in any country where you go look at uh, the development of football, it's almost like a pyramid system. That means I'm going tomorrow, I'm traveling to Holland. And in the city where I'm from, I'm from a, from a small small town. There are only 8,000 people live there. But in each of those villages or small towns or bigger towns, you have football clubs, amateur teams. And uh, they play on a level. They play the whole year a league. And it filters itself out higher up to professional teams. So, for instance, I was scouted by a professional team when I was young and had a small team. But uh, each player on each on on each category, uh, age category, and each uh, level plays on a level where he belongs. But in India, if you would merge those two leagues, you have then one league, and what is below that? In which level? Uh, do younger players get the chance to develop? So I think I League would, for instance, a fantastic platform for uh, for younger players, 18, 19, 20, 21, to develop, like they do with the the, the Pylon Arrows or what is that, the Arrows team, to give them a chance or, or to play uh, yeah, senior yeah, football. Yeah. To play. Sorry. Yeah, go on. No, no, I said, yeah, 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 yeah Indian just, Arrows. Yeah. 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 So uh, the I League should should be always be. A, separate part and especially I think it's a very good good platform for developing uh, younger players yeah would, fair enough w- would you say the same thing about coaches in the Indian su- uh, Super League because I've noticed over the years now uh, I mean there's a few uh, a lot more foreign coaches uh, going yeah. into that league uh, yeah. um, so I mean Without being over there myself, maybe Riff, you you can touch on this a bit. Obviously, that that that's going to increase the popularity of the league uh, moving forward. Uh, how far can the Indian Super League go, in your opinion? Uh, I, I mean, are we likely to see? I, I doubt it. We're going to see the the amounts uh, the, the amounts of money that say maybe China are seeing 
for example, but from a progression point of view, in terms of coaches going over there and being able to coach and maybe not getting uh, this, I mean, and actually getting time to coach, which you wouldn't get in, say, Spain or England or Germany or Italy uh, or Holland. Yeah. Uh, is it something that you would recommend to up and coming coaches? No, look for it. I, I'm, I will be brutally honest. For me, my end goal is not to be in India, and I mean that with all respect. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do prefer to be in Europe. At the same time, uh, I am already a long time outside of Holland. That means when you leave somewhere, you get out of the picture. Uh, does yeah. that mean that I that my my qualities as a coach are less? No, I'm 100% sure. No, that sounds arrogant, yeah. but I'm I'm not scared to take any any uh, high uh, any club in Holland on the highest level to 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 coach it. I'm, I'm convinced that I can do that and I'm good at that. Yeah, but at the same time, I have a family. I need to provide, yeah. I need to make money. So the opportunity to work in India, I'm grateful. Uh, I'm thankful for that. Uh, but it's just another step in my career or another opportunity in career that I take. And uh, what comes next, we will see. But to come to right. India for uh, for coaches from outside, yeah. I mean, I see it, football is football. And if you, if you come with a mindset of, uh, yeah, I'm going to coach in India, it's a lower level, I'm going to take some money then rather stay away because I do believe you should be thankful and grateful for any job that you have as a coach. Yeah. And if you can, and if you contribute to uh, developing football, that's is one of your main things, uh, but not to come, come and work somewhere and just to take some money at that, that I can guarantee you. That's not my mindset. Yeah. Yeah. No. One more thing, Ilko, like uh, you said, uh, the ISL started around uh, four or five years before. So before mm-hmm. the ISL actually began, um, the popularity of the beautiful game in India was not particularly good. So, you, yeah, India have a national team, but they were far behind in terms of world rankings. The popularity was less. Uh, yeah, Kerala is usually uh, known for football lovers. Uh, definitely, we have a lot of people in Kerala who support different European clubs. For instance... I support Liverpool. A lot of my friends support big clubs like Manchester United, uh, Chelsea, Arsenal, Barcelona, mm-hmm. Madrid, etc. So, yep. yeah, we love football in Kerala, but India as a country, the popularity that maybe cricket gets, football didn't have that. But since the ISL began, uh, they started to bring in some good marquee uh, foreign players as well, and that kind of increased the popularity. So now more people are in football as well. And yeah, India, if you see, India has also gone far up in the FIFA rankings as well recently. And I I think you might have followed Stephen Constantine as well. He worked yes. with the national team for quite long. And to be honest, he did a really good job with the team that he had. India, I mean, considering the national team, we didn't have a lot of quality in there. We, yeah, we had some really good strikers like Sunil Chetri, Baichung Bhutia along the years. Sunil Chetri even p- went and played in uh, Kansas City, for Kansas City. Then I think Sporting Houston B team, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. And yeah, we had a few players, but they couldn't really cut it in the European level. So going to the future... Yeah. Maybe we could see a few more players in the European stage, but 
how do you think that football has progressed in india over the past years because maybe you might you have arrived you did arrive in india in 2012 so now it, it's 2019 now so what kind of a transition have you seen in indian football in general um see basically to me for me it is very simple to sum up Uh, how you develop uh, uh, a nation uh, regarding football one of course people need to be excited about football i think isl helps there there has there's enough uh, coverage by media etc that is well very professional set up so that, that that's good uh, but the football itself how to develop is uh, in two ways one uh, to bring in qualities from outside in this case players and coaches that is that has been done uh, that already contributed to the to the to the indian football if uh, if an indian player has to play with uh, uh, with former professional football players in, in in europe then his level will go up that is that that's a simple equation but the second thing is and that's one of the things where where uh, in the future uh, that that's going to decide if india is going to make a next step to a higher level is the the how do you call it the the, the platform um, the format of the league So if you only play so in this case if you play in ISL and then there are 10 teams you play basically 18 games in a season maybe you play one or two more cup games or 20 let's say you play 20 games in one season compare that to all, all other uh, nations uh, who are uh, uh, participating in the world cup or on on a decent level yeah if you want to develop you need to play games so the 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 league has to be bigger and longer and that's how you develop and i think there they are on the right right track but if you only play 20 games in a season that's not enough uh, to compete on an international level with other countries that's very simple let's say that uh, i say thailand even even uh, india won from thailand in in the but overall thailand is it they have i think 20 teams in 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 the league or uh, so they will play way more games so they have way more time to develop and that's how you have to see that i think on that level hopefully india can can uh, can enhance their the, the the league to more more teams and a, a longer league because that will for sure help more development Okay. Yeah, that's that all sounds good. Uh in term, what, what what I've noticed that you've touched on there uh, that word development uh, a few a few times. Uh there. So going uh you, you mentioned at the start of the interview uh about how uh, certain clubs within uh within the league can uh, have took a sideways a sideways steps so or it can only reach uh, a certain certain level within the league. Uh, it, on a short term basis yes um, approaching your new job now how far as a manager would you look ahead you, uh, you, so you predominantly you, pro, you, you, you look at you, you mentioned there that you always look at youth uh, youth level you always uh, you, you always want to uh, develop the young players and yeah. uh, give them the opportunities uh, and I think I think so so I think most coaches uh, should be looking at that and trying to do uh, trying to do the same, especially in leagues. Not no disrespect to the Indian Super League, uh, leagues of uh, lesser profiles. I think that's where uh, the nation itself should be looking to promote either local players or getting managers to actually uh, promote local players. Uh, would you give 
I'm sorry, this is going to be like a couple of questions in one. This uh, when you're when you're developing those players now. So I'm assuming you'll have a couple of players in mind at the club now. You think like these players can go really far. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's capped at a certain club before that? You before you're thinking that they have to move on to other club to uh, get their current potential, and also as a coach. Uh, going back to what you were saying before when you were saying that uh, certain clubs can only reach a certain level with how does that affect your planning um, uh, yeah there's always sorry go ahead sorry no no that was it sorry I was just yeah. I, I want to apologise for asking so many questions <laughs> no no don't worry <laughs> in, in, in um, the one question I, I got I got the picture um, yeah first of all within India uh, and even in, in Asia uh See, for instance, Japan. Why is Japan standing out uh, compared to all other Indian, or all other Asian nations? Because Japan literally went and studied uh, the setup in Europe in many clubs. How are they yeah. developing? They took one or two years to do so, and those steps were implemented. And now Japan is one of the leading countries in uh, in Asian yeah. football. Yeah. My point here is my point here is this: that in all Asian countries, the mindset of and I compare it. Uh, I make a, make a comparison to, to to picture it. You cannot put a seed in the ground, uh, an apple tree. I just say something, an apple tree, and you start uh, watering it uh, the next day. I said, "Where's the tree? Where's the tree?" And the moment the tree is coming out a little bit, you say, "Hey, where are my fruits? Where are my apples?" So, in order to develop something, that takes time, and most of the time within Asia, that that time or that patience is is not really yeah. uh, been taken. So yeah. if a coach, if as a coach you step into a club, uh, in this case me stepping into Kerala Blasters, uh, the management, the people who are leading this club, they need to really have a mindset of a long-term plan uh, and also back the coach in order to give him that time. Unfortunately, that is not always done within Asia. What I see now in uh, in uh, India, uh, Goa and uh, Bangalore, they have a little bit of that mindset, a little bit of that idea. Uh, yeah. Kerala has Kerala and Northeast, for instance, they have the backyard of talents. But I think there they need to try to work on a, a system, on a uh, a mindset where they where they bring in a coach and start develop developing an infrastructure that guarantees you over time that young players can grow from a young player within Kerala Blasters to the first team. But to implement that system, that is not something done you just do in two months. And you think, okay, we're going to start now a youth development. Uh, we bring one coach from uh, whatever, from Holland. Uh, he set up the youth team. And uh, next year we want to have a three, four talents in the, in the yeah. first. That's not how it works. And unfortunately, still that, that mindset is still in Asia, uh, in, in many countries like that. And I think that's a, a really good starting point to, to, to go, go abroad, go see how actually teams in Europe how they work, how do they set yeah. up a, a, a club. And they will be surprised how much time and effort it takes. Yeah. Do you, do you find that frustrating as a coach? I, I, I could imagine, um, I mean, may, maybe not in your own personal situation at clubs, but generically when you're, there, when you're, when you're coaching within an area like there, like Indian football or football within Asia, and you see certain things that maybe just at basic level that are not getting done. Do you, do you find that frustrating? 
Of course, uh, of course, it's frustrating. Yeah. See, for me, even for me as a coach, I don't like to go uh, from one year to another year to each year, every time another club. But in the end, I have to try to bring results, and I cannot be naive and say, "Yeah, I'm just going to bring in youth youth players for the sake of uh, because the club wants it," and I'm losing with the, with the first team, and they're going to kick me out. In the end, they're going to they're going to judge me for my results. <coughs> but at the same time. I will always try to bring in youth players. So any team that I come into, I will always look at what what we have, what which what, what which young players do we have in the team, and are there maybe in the second team or in the youth some some talents that maybe we can develop. But if yeah. the the club, but if the club itself does not have a real proper set up structure for the youth teams, yeah, I, I cannot on my own. Uh, uh, yeah. change those things by uh, because that that's sometimes how people think like uh, why those youth why those young players uh, they set up a set up a youth uh, academy uh, but it's totally not really structured they're not playing proper games and then they start saying that but why this player uh, is not getting a chance in the first team the coach even doesn't come and look no it's something that really needs to be set up in a proper way it's not something you yeah. just do uh, do overnight yeah and that's frustrating time. sometimes yes yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the, uh, go on, the game sorry, is. Ac- yeah, Chris, go on. Go, go on. No, go on. Uh, because I was going to say, uh, my next question was going to be uh, a completely different direction. So if you want to touch upon uh, something our coach just said and carry on, because my next question is going to be a completely different one. Yeah, so <laughs> what I wanted to uh, get through was the game is evolving. I mean, uh, in terms of data, most mostly, because. Most most top clubs now ha- has a very good analytics team who collect a lot of data, who pass on a lot of information. For, um, I, for example, I heard um, and after the Liverpool-Barca game at Anfield, I heard some people say that Liverpool did proper research on Barcelona. They took the kind of passes that, that Barcelona usually uh, execute. And one most important thing that, uh, that 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 kind of impressed me or caught my eye was that Barcelona, the Barcelona team, usually tend to waste maybe or maybe go on the back foot after some decision go against them. So as a result of that, you saw that in the I mean, as a courtesy of the fourth goal that Trent Alexander-Arnold intelligently delivered to Divock Origi. So Barcelona completely switched off. So I mean, as a head coach, as a, I mean, in the in the previous times, as a head coach, you would have to do a lot of things. But now you have a lot of support from the back. I mean, back end as well. For example, like I said, the analytics team and each and every football club collects a lot of data, and you know there are a lot of mechanisms now to analyze things and you know put up a proper plan. So. Yeah, the game is evolving. And what do you think of this support? Do you think this actually helps the coaches, uh, or do you think it restricts their freedom? Um, I think it's overrated, to be honest. Um, I will give you. You see, any logic that you try to apply on a football game uh, can be uh, any research that you do on a football game. It can be, uh, with an exception, uh, proven that. That logic that you had is 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 not there. So, what I want to say is this: um, I think it's extremely important to analyze weaknesses of an opponent, uh, but to see those weaknesses, 
is the quality of the coach or the analyst. Uh, I have an analyst working for me, but uh, the analyst never played football. Uh, not a problem. Uh, but he will be, his mindset, his mindful the way he looks at football is different than i do i do take his information uh, but i do almost uh, all my analysis myself uh, make the, the presentations uh, because the way i look at football is it's it's really difficult to find an analyst that looks the same way as you as football if you work years together then you start maybe yeah uh, entwining each other's views that you start seeing what the other one sees but the, the, I will give you an example. For instance, uh, everybody's uh, uh, high praise for uh, uh, Pochettino from of uh, Pochettino. How do you say his name from uh, uh, Tottenham? And I don't. I'm not a big fan of him. Uh, if you look at the last games, he said even there were. I think uh, they had 17 goals. I think 17 goals were scored uh, from the scene in, the, in the first half and eight of them or nine of them in the first 15 minutes. Yesterday also, you saw you saw uh, Liverpool from the first minute, they tried to do as quick as possible, put the ball behind the defense line of in the transition of Liverpool. I saw that right away. They got right away this penalty from it. Uh, and even last time against Ajax, the first half, both games. So in my opinion... Uh, Porticino, and I, I said it also on Twitter, I, I think he lacks in setting up his team uh, uh, in a way, anticipating on what is, is to come. But again, maybe I'm wrong. I'm just looking at the data uh, that I see in, in the games. If that is true, you don't know because there can be many reasons why things go wrong. Not always you control that as a coach. Yeah. But what I do see is, but what I do see is that that the uh, Tottenham every time reacts to the situation. And I mean, in general, there will be games where they will take the lead uh, from the beginning. But overall, he has a tendency to come behind and then have to react. There's another thing yesterday. I, For instance, I don't understand why he plays uh, Harry Kane. And again, he works with him, but he misses the rhythm. He didn't play for a long time. Me as a coach, even not seeing him on the training, I would always start with uh, what the other guy who scored the goal. Uh, Lucas Moura. Uh, yeah, yes, more. Yeah. He he brought energy. He brought so these are decisions where I look at simple statistics of the game, but at the same time, yeah, a coach can interpret that in a different way. So yes, uh, having a backstaff uh, of a, 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 a team behind you, gathering information, gathering data, fantastic, but don't overrate it. it for me, it's more important. I look at weaknesses as a coach for the opponent team and then try to exploit that. Because there's also a lot of information that has not, not much use. People think that the, the more you run, uh, that means that you're physically stronger. Also nonsense. Depends on maybe uh, uh, you're trying to press, maybe, uh, how do you call it, the, 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 the moment of the game. Maybe the, the, there's also something smart running. There are some players who run so much, but they don't smart on the right moments. So, yes, gathering info is good, gathering data, but at the same time, don't overrate it. I... I uh, no, I'm not a big fan of it. Fair enough, yeah. 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 Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask what I know uh, Rick mentioned at the start of the interview that we've got some questions from the, the viewers and the listeners that they want to ask. I'll, I'll let yeah. Rick ask them. But um, as a kid growing up, I was obsessed with Dutch football and Dutch coaching. So actually to be All able right. to speak to you and listen to your uh, views, uh, 
is, is really fascinating for me and something that I was really excited about uh, All right. uh, before this interview. So I can't not ask you about the current Dutch national team. Yeah. Uh, and, and what your opinion on that? Because they've been, say, from 2010 on uh, to, say, 2016, going through a bit yeah. of a, uh, a, a dry period, not in terms of... Uh, Obviously, failing to qualify for major tournaments, yeah. but the, the yeah. but the the lack of quality coming through. Do you yeah. feel that the current Dutch national team uh, this is a turning point for them uh, with the Euro uh, the UEFA Nations coming up and obviously uh, the victory over Germany last year and and how far do you think this current team can go under Ronald Koeman? No, I have a I have a very clear opinion on this. Um, in back in the days. See, Holland is a very small country. We have uh, 17 million people. So in the quantity, yeah. we, don't, we don't have much choice. Why, yeah. is, Holland, why is Holland so good in uh, developing players? Uh, was so good? We are still good at it. But uh, because we are small, uh, we don't have the quantity. So you need to be more creative. That's why we were good in, in uh, having good youth academies. That is one part of the puzzle. Now... Um, before, and I'm talking about maybe 15 years now be, be, uh, back, um, young players in Holland, they, they uh, I just say something, they, they start in a club. Uh, the chance for them to reach the first team in Holland is bigger uh, uh, because of the necessity of that we like because of finances. In Holland, we don't have the big money. So we will sooner rely on, on youth players to reach the first team. Now, what happened after the Bosman arrest and uh, like also even 15 years ago, uh, clubs in Europe, especially England, uh, even in Spain, so the big clubs, start buying, uh, bringing in players, uh, young talents from Holland and also other countries uh, on the age of 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. Those, let's say that a player in Holland who is 15 years old, top talent, good talent, and he goes to Chelsea. I just, I just name a club. They yeah. bring in the whole family, already get, uh, get paid properly well. This guy goes to the, the youth academy of Chelsea and we never see him back again. For him to make the step in Chelsea from the youth team to the first team is huge. It's a huge. You need to be a very, very good player. There will be exceptions. But in Holland that step for that player is way smaller. So in the last 15 years, a lot of good talents were brought or taken away. That is one from the bottom side. And at the same, at the same time, uh, good players from Holland, I just say Frank Reikard, uh, Kluivert, uh, whatever, um, who were playing on a higher level, did not go back to Holland anymore. They made so much yeah. money. And I do believe that uh, uh, bringing over the, the 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 experience that you brought uh, that you you uh, got from other country, you go back to Holland and you you finish your last two three years maybe still at the club where you started, and bringing yeah. over that 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 uh, that knowledge also is not any not, not done anymore. Yeah. Now now something interesting happened with Ajax, and this is where Cruyff uh, started that revolution. The team that is now at Ajax, these players, uh, they stayed. A pretty long time together again. That means they didn't leave Holland right away. Now they are at an age at 22, 23. They reached the the the, the finals of uh, 
of the Champions League or the semi-finals, they, they, they already achieved something. Their steps for them now to go to a, to a club in Europe is smaller and easier to succeed. Yeah. Because in the last, last 10-15 years, there were hardly any top players uh, from Holland in any uh, uh, top teams in, in Europe anymore. Before, in any top team in Europe, you will find one, maybe two. So my, my thinking is because young talents were taken away too fast and we don't yeah. see them anymore. And I give you actually a perfect example. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Virgil van Dijk was not known was not known in Holland. Uh, good player, decent player, but he went to Scotland, I think. His way, his road to success, to become a big player, uh, was very gradually. It was not like uh, he went from Holland suddenly to Liverpool. You, you understand what I'm saying? It was the yeah, same yeah. Friends with it was the same with Ruth van Nisselrooy. He uh, started in second division in Holland, then went to a bigger team in the first division, then went to uh, PSV Eindhoven, and then when he won the the Champions League, I think, or the the, the Europa Cup at that time, or they they reached the finals when he was 22, 23. That's when he went abroad, and he really got uh, got well. That process yeah. that is interrupted in that was interrupted in Holland. And hopefully we can bring it back. And it's largely because of because of money, because of finances. We can't keep them anymore. And Ajax is trying to 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 break that that rhythm. That's my thinking yeah. and that's my belief. Right. So when you're touching on what you've said there, and you said that the, the, once the players have gone to Spain or gone to England, that when they get into the later uh, the, the the later years of uh, their career, going back yeah. to Holland. Would, would be of a benefit. So, like you've touched on Ajax, uh, similar to what Daily Blind has done. Uh, yes. He, he, obviously, he was at Ajax, he knows the club, his father is then rooted into the history of the club. He's yes. gone abroad, he's gone to Manchester United, and now he's gone, he looks like he's going to finish his career back at Ajax. You would exactly. like to see more, you would like to see more of that. It's essential. It's essential. Yeah. What I had, for instance, last year with uh, North East, I had Bart Ogbeche. Uh, he's 34 years old. If you see how he talks to the players, that, 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 that is so uh, uh, essential for and for a coach, but also for young players to develop. If you don't have that, if you don't have older experienced players uh, who, who give you that knowledge, who give you the small things, that is, is yeah, it, it's really important. But to, I want to give one. I want to give one example. The pie, the pie. He went from uh, from PSV Eindhoven, being the big man in in, in Holland, didn't win anything, uh, and he made right away the step to Manchester United. He couldn't cope. He couldn't cope. Yeah. And now, now he went to uh, in what is it in France? Now he's starting again Lyon. to to rise. Sorry, yeah, Lyon. Now he's starting. Yeah, again he went to, to rise again. He start to rise again a little bit. So the point is. Talents in Holland are taken away too quickly, and you don't you you uh, and they they fade away in this club because the step from the youth to the first team is way way bigger. Either you go in England or in France or in in uh, in Spain. In Holland, they get those chance. They get those chances because of necessity because we don't have the financial backup, so we give youth players sooner a chance. That's why Holland was always so good and developed a lot of players. Yeah, and. You you just talked about the importance of uh, Bartol Obeche at Northeast United. So yeah. yeah, in football generally, yes, the coaches provide the motivation, uh, the influence to the players. But how important are the captains and the leaders? 
okay, let me just elaborate this question. I mean, players oh, sorry, who sir, are 30 plus. Yes. Yeah, players who are 30 plus uh, are a necessity in the squad. This, I mean, I mean, in this era of football, because uh, mostly um, you need experience, like you said, and yeah, to pass on that to the young players and to provide that winning mentality, it's it's very important. And like you mentioned at Ajax, I mean, they've been underperforming for the past maybe 10 years, I guess. Before this season, the Champions League, uh, they've never, uh, I mean, qualified for the knockouts in the past, yes, I true. guess, 10 years. True, true. Yeah, so and, this season and, and, uh, they've had daily blind, uh, yeah. Dusan Tadic, who's got yeah. really good experience in the Premier League. True. And Shona, who's also quite old as well. And, so and do and you Dallar, think... He didn't play much, but... Yeah, he didn't play yeah, much, well, but, but it's always good to have this. example of what you yeah, said. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. gone back to the club, and the and I, I think that was a Ajax. Sorry to interrupt there, Rifwick. Uh, yeah. My apologies, but it was just uh, going back to what Elko mentioned. Ajax seemed to be going down that route of what you've said in, in, in bringing all the players back. Because I know I was re I was reading an interview what uh, with Toby Alderweireld uh, yeah. recently. And obviously his contract situation at Tottenham and no one knows whether he's going to be there beyond the summer. And he said he could end up back at Ajax and that would be something yeah. that he was interested in. So, yeah. again, I didn't mean to cut you off there, if we, but I'll just, yeah. uh, again, it was just another example of what uh, Elko has mentioned in terms of old ex-players going back. And it seems to seems like Ajax have uh, sort of are getting a grip of that at the moment. And keeping and, then, and keeping the younger players, keeping the younger players for longer at the club. Yeah. And once they are 21, 22, then they, they then and they they achieve something, then they can leave. Not before. That that's a key point also. Yeah. So uh, while we're on here, guys, I know uh, I know before the interview, Riffwick mentioned that uh, he had some uh, questions uh, from our listeners uh, that he would like to. Uh, I know he was quite excited to ask. So, <laughs> Rifu, do you want do you want to uh, do you want to fire away with those questions? Yeah, I do have it. So, yeah, I got a few questions. I picked up. I mean, we've answered most of those in the bar so far. Uh, but I got two different questions. Uh, one from Jen, who said that. Uh, like Ilko, you might—I mean, you might have done some analysis on on the Blasters. I mean, last last season's performance of Kerala Blasters. And yeah. what do you think went wrong with the team? Um, as I said before, I, I never I never like to criticize uh, a, a team uh, of the coach or the, the, the that was before because I don't think that is done uh, because I was not there, so I can't judge it. The only thing. That I would say from a distance, and we played two times against the Kerala, uh, but both different coaches. Uh, the first time was with uh, with James, where I saw the long ball strategy was uh, was played, and I think that from what I see, that was not really resonating. Um, and the second time when we played against them, they were playing more 
of an attacking style of football, but was at the end of the season and basically the season was already over. Um, so I, I, I don't want to go into that uh, because uh, for me, I just want to make a fresh start. I don't want to criticize any other coaches because you, you, I can't because I was not there. I'm very, I'm not very, I'm not scared to give an opinion. Uh, but if you want to give an opinion, you also need to be there in order to judge it. Uh, it's easy to say something from a distance, uh, from from what you think is happening. But uh, I will refrain from that. I don't think that's that's a good thing to do. Okay. Yeah. So a- another question that came in from Subin Michael was that usually the players seem to run out of steam in the second half of the of of the game, especially in Kochi because of the humid conditions. Uh, how do you plan to tackle that? Um, yeah, these are circumstances that uh, yeah, either you like it or you don't. You have to deal with. Uh, so you need to, you just need to be fit. You need to be smart. Uh, one of the things is that the more that you have the ball, the more the other team has to run. So that's also one of the strategies that I always think when it's hot and humid that you should be very. Uh, patient and keep the ball because uh, the more you have the ball the, the more the other team has to uh, to run and you will benefit from that in the last uh, 15 minutes uh, if you if you stretch it out over a game uh, but yeah these are circumstances I still myself have to uh, experience because uh, yeah I didn't work in, in Kochi yet so uh, and when we played last time it was still good weather so I'm looking forward to face those challenges yeah and uh, uh, before I ask the next question uh, recently, I I also heard that uh, the Manchester City owners, the the group, uh, they are uh, going to take over Mumbai City FC, and as a marquee signing, they are trying to bring in David Villa. Yeah. So, any such plans for Blasters? That's what most no, fans want to ask. No, <laughs> but this this is something that I I am not a fan of at all. Uh, it would be fantastic if you have a, a club like Manchester City uh, backing you up and helping you uh, developing structures of the of the club. But to bring in a player, uh, and I mean that with all due respect, uh, already in in the ISL it has been proven that players over 35, 36, 37, uh, yeah, they they all end up with injuries. Um, Last year we saw Cahill at at uh, what is it at Jamshedpur. Uh, he didn't manage before that. We had Anelka. They had uh, well, I don't know how many players. I don't believe in that. But again, that is a personal opinion. I rather have younger. I rather have a club that, as Manchester City or any any European club that want to back up an Indian team, that they bring in infrastructure, that they try to help to develop the club. I think that has more value than bringing a, uh, a player. Again. That is my personal opinion, and I don't mean that as a criticism towards uh, Mumbai. It's more an, a personal opinion that I, yeah, I would not do that. Yeah, and a lot of fans has also been asking this question: um, What is your plan with the current crop of foreign players at the club? And I mean, I mean, are you planning to add more players from outside, or are you happy with the current crop of players? Um, yeah, I, I can't answer on that now because there are still uh, things behind the scenes that that need to be officially announced. So, uh, but my plan is is to make as as good as possible team. Uh, and um, how we're going to do that? Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to wait because, as I said, there will still have to be some 
announcement to make, and I cannot not broadcast that here uh, on your podcast uh, before the club uh, does. <laughs> yeah, and sorry. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, no, that's understandable. Uh, I'm gonna I, I'm, if I can have a. Uh, we promise to let you go, even though I would love to sit here and just uh, pick your brains for the next, for the rest of the day. I'll, uh, some, of, some of your views have been really insightful. I want to thank you for that because it has been a, a pleasure speaking to you um, and actually being able to interview you. Um, who did you support growing up? As in clubs? Yeah. Who was your um, football club? Yeah. They are still the same. That is Ajax and Barcelona. And that will never Ajax. change. Yeah. yeah, both Ajax and Barcelona. That from when I was young till now, and I will never change. The only thing at this moment is uh, is Manchester City, but not because of the club, more because of Guardiola. Right. Okay. Yeah. Who was your idol growing up? Um, I had basically two idols. Uh, first is Johan Cruyff, and second was uh, Gerald Vanenburg. Uh, nobody will know him. He played in Ajax. He was a very, very talented, creative winger. Uh, those two, they, they were like my youth, youth idols. Yeah, he's now a coach, is he not? Is he, um, he is a coach. Is he still but, coaching. Yeah. Yeah, he is a coach, but not not active at the moment. Not active at the moment. Okay, yes. and. One final question. I think you might have already uh, answered the question. But if you could have any job, any managerial job now in world football, yeah, what would what would you consider your ultimate? What would be your dream job? If you could, if, uh, if any, yeah, Premier League, Premier League, Premier League. Uh, or or in Spain or the Spain division. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, any One specific any, yeah. any any specific club. Uh, no, I would be really, really thankful. I uh, would be grateful to get a job there. Uh, let's keep yeah. it like that. As in, <laughs> I would really, it would be a dream for me to uh, to make that dream happen, to make that dream come true at any club. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, Rifwick, is there anything else? No, uh, nothing we... else from my side. So, yeah, we'd definitely love to go on and on talking yeah. football with you, Ilko, but... Yeah, this we this is time probably for us to end the podcast. So it's yeah. been a pleasure speaking with you, and thank you so much for coming on for, to the show. It's it's been yeah. fantastic talking to you. Yeah. I would thank you, and uh, maybe in the future we could do it again. Uh, I always Definitely. love to talk about football, any topic, and uh, I would thank you and. Uh, I wish you all the best with the podcast and uh, maybe we uh, we talk again speak again in the future thank you definitely, absolutely definitely. I just, I just, just want to say well an honour it's been uh, really thankful for your opinions uh, and your views and it's been a, it's, it's been a real learning curve listening to you speak and uh, like like you said there uh, I'm, I'm, we're going to be running these podcasts uh, on a weekly basis now so if we okay. could uh and maybe again sometime in the future at, at your convenience or uh, we we could get uh, we could get you in involved and maybe I don't know talk about Dutch football or talk about your season so far uh, at the uh, in your new job and hopefully it goes I want to wish you all the success uh, for the for the new season thank you very much and yes I'm looking forward to, to do this again and uh, let's see what uh, what happens on any topic of football I'm always willing to, to talk about I, uh, I'm very happy to do so thank you guys oh excellent yeah, thank th- you very much thank you so much Ilko 
Cheers. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Bye. And bye thank bye. you to all our listeners for tuning into this episode. I hope you you enjoyed it. Also follow us on YouTube uh, and all our social media handles to keep up with the latest articles and other shows. Thank you guys. Thank you all. See you.